Well, if anybody here are golf fans, Brooks Kepka uh, is at the moment bottling the PGA Championship as the time of this recording. And um, it also happens that uh, the outfit he's wearing today is blue and black. Inter Milan are bottling their Champions League position. So uh, it is a correlation. If you wear blue and black, chances are you're going to be set up for failure, or at least that's the way it's looking, and that's what we're going to talk about, among many other things, on this edition of Serie A Sit-Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio Told Like It Is. I'm Frank Crivello. Happy to have you along for the ride, as always. And joining me, as always, co-host Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. Yeah, speaking about blue and black, uh, a team uh, during the Coppa Italia final wearing blue and black kind of bottled it, too. So, But, yeah, uh, nice segue into uh, how people are bottling it this weekend. Incredible. I, I mean... I was ready to do a podcast with you here that formalized a few things. You know, we could get on with our lives about some stuff, and there might be like a, a thing here or there that's going to be played for in Match Week 38. It's just blown open now across the table. I, 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 I dare you to find a league that is going to have a more exciting Match Week 38 than, than Serie A. Right now, with the way with the way things are shaking out, you've got three, probably four teams. If I can get some answers about Roma, uh, in contention for two Champions League places on the final match day, you've got at the moment one, two, three, four, five teams uh, fighting to avoid relegation. One team will go down. Uh, Bologna can do something about this tomorrow by getting appointed Lazio uh, to make it four teams battling for that you know, to avoid that last relegation spot. I mean, you know, and, and look at this, Richard. Three weeks ago, <laughs> there's no way, because of everything that we were predicting and taking a look at the run-ins, no way would you have said, well, Inter and Empoli are going to be played on a parking lot because by then Inter are going to have their Champions League place wrapped up and we could probably confirm Empoli's relegation by yep. then. Looking at the run-ins. Now, Inter and Empoli is arguably, I won't even say arguably, it is. That is the most important match of the 2019-2020 Serie A season. It's going to be so fun to watch. It's going to be both teams that need to win to survive, pretty much. Um, one team's riding on a three-game win streak. The other team is pedaling, at to say the least. And, uh, yeah, this is a lot of implications on the line with this game. It's going to be game of the week. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> all these games are going to be on at the same time. I'm going to have one screen on the Milan Spall game and the other game on the Inter Empoli game. You know, and I'll probably just check my phone to see Atalanta. I'll probably put the Atalanta game on my phone. So um, it is uh, it is astonishing uh, the finish that we are in for here um, in the Serie A season. But let's uh, let's look at how this stage got set, Richard. And uh, we'll start with the uh, what we're going to call the batch of games for the European places, and namely the Champions League places. We're going to start with the uh, maybe the marquee matchup of the weekend. There are actually two of them. Napoli hosted Inter, uh, and this was a beating at the San Paolo. Yeah. Uh, uh, 4-1 to the Partenope. Uh, Piotr Zielinski in the 16th minute. Goal of the week candidate. It's my goal of the week. Uh, Dries Mertens in the 61st. Uh, and then Fabian Ruiz, who was the best player on the pitch, uh, and probably not even close, uh, in the 71st and 78th minute, Inter uh, get a consolation penalty from uh, Mr. Wandanata in the 81st, uh, and uh, Napoli win four goals to one. Um, did 
Somebody uh, has not gotten the memo to Napoli, Richard, that there's nothing left for them to play for. <laughs> yeah, it looked like they were had no interest in the game, right? It looks like that. If you're watching the game and without a result, you probably would have thought Inter had nothing to play for, so they gave up, and, and Napoli were the ones fighting to try and get something, right? And it wasn't the case at all. Napoli, uh, they brought it like they, as they should. Uh, they're being professional about it. Inter, I have no idea what happened with them. They completely bottled it. It looked like they were the team that had you know Champions League or whatever locked up, and they had nothing to care for. But, man, uh, it's getting interesting now with the – at one point we were saying the third spot with Inter was locked up and that's far from that's far from true they're not even third at the moment so um very very surprising both by both these two teams i mean it's great what napoli's doing they play beautiful football and they showed it today they were just put on a display uh wonderful goals in that game by especially specifically by Zelinski and also Dries Mertens had a nice one as well so yeah, it's uh, it looks like uh, Ancelotti had them playing the right way, and uh, they're 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 gonna play to the end. You know, this show play play stylistic, I guess. I mean, and it's not like Inter didn't show up in this game. Um, I mean, we take a look at it, and there's gonna be some criticism about the performance, and it was pitiful, it was poor defensively. Absolutely, you want to go have a field day on. Uh, uh, Serie A award-winning goalkeeper Sami Handanovic. We're gonna have a conversation about that later. <laughs> um, you want to have a field day on him. Uh, have a field day on him. Have a field day on Joel Miranda. Have a field day on Asimo, who was absolutely brutal. Uh, D'Ambrosio was terrible. Um, they were all awful. And uh, But going forward, Inter still had 22 shots. Um, I mean, six on target. So, you know, the, and, and uh, most of those, admittedly, coming in the second half, you know, well after Napoli had pretty much just uh, gone nuts on them. But Inter still were trying to get something out of this, so at least give them credit. I mean, you can look at the score and you can say, you know, I'm going to try to give Inter some defense, even though I think they're completely bottling this Champions League place. They still, when you look at the statistics and you look at how they performed, they still tried to get something out of it, even though it went I mean, 4-0 down against Napoli at the San Paolo. That's just too far for anybody. Statistically, yes. Uh, but if you look at it, really... What were those shots? They were nothing really troubled Carnezes. Carnezes had to make one really big save at the end of the game because, as you said, Inter were bringing it. But other than that, Carnezes was really not troubled. I mean, Koulibaly and Albiol uh, did a pretty good job, as did the, the wingbacks. Um, I thought, you know, Inter got thrown a bone when, when Albiol fouled uh, Icardi in the box. Uh, you know, it was a questionable call, but, you know, penalties are called. Uh, and they're going to score a goal there, but... You know, the defense was pretty strong there, and they didn't give them, while they had plenty of opportunities to, to shoot, and uh, Inter did, not really not really quality opportunities, I would say, for, for them. And, you know, Napoli, at least, uh, you know, at least they were clinical with their chances. They didn't have uh, had quite as many chances as, as Inter, but, had, hey, they put them away. Yeah, and, you know, and that's, that's just it. And, uh, you know, this, this, this got a whole lot more interesting now, obviously. Inter get something out of this and they're on 60 maybe they're in third on 67 points if they could have found a way to draw i had this pegged for a draw uh but napoli absolutely battering inter um uh, and giving atalanta and milan fans hope um so uh the partenope 4-1 winners running out over inter inter really struggling to finish this season now richard um and uh you know we're going to talk about empoli a little bit later and we've already talked about it a little bit the most important game on this Serie A season, Inter against Empoli. Who would have thunk it, right? 
I right. mean, especially at least a couple of weeks ago, we would have said hey, that'd be the worst game to watch. This this because no, nothing nothing means in that game. But um, that's going to be the game of the week uh, for sure. Maybe week of the season, uh, game of the season. Because I, I mean, imagine the results if say, well, I'll just throw it out there. So imagine Empoli continues their win streak. Inter gets eliminated. Milan jump over them. Inter completely out of the Champions League. No one would have seen that coming, right? And then Empoli surviving. That's another one. That would just be two things at, at one time uh, that no one could have predicted, let alone begin the season, but much less, you know, a couple weeks ago. It's just crazy. Um, and, uh, you know, they've, they've done it to themselves with all the drama in the dressing room. And if you read some of the tweets by uh, from Nima Tavali, Spalletti has lost this team from the sounds of it. Um and, uh, you know, it's it's one of those, he, you know, we're going to talk about coaches uh, later in this podcast. He's one of those that is on thin ice and is almost a, a lame duck manager. And, you know, how motivated are you late in the season to get results for a lame duck manager? And, and you know, but uh, what what it should be embarrassing to Inter supporters is that these guys are not playing for the shirt. They should play for the shirt above all else. They should play for them, you know, play for themselves and the man next to them above all else. They're not doing that. Um, and they could find themselves in the Europa League next season because they didn't take care of business against teams that they should be beating with regularity. Yeah, and it's going to be unfortunate for them. A team with such talent is going to be uh, placed in the in the Europa League, but that's all because of what they've done to themselves, right? I mean, they had the, at one point they were very strong, strongly in third position, and then they've whittled that away to now they're barely hanging on, and you know, depending on the results for next weekend, they hold their own fate. So. If they can't, if they can't come through with a win, you know, I would, I would say they need a win to make to ensure they're going to keep a Champions League spot. And if they can't do that, it's really it's their fault, right? No one else to blame but them. Um, people are going to blame Spalletti, people are going to blame McCarty, and this and that. But it's this is Inter needs to find a way. It doesn't matter. Play for the shirt, not for whomever or whatever. Absolutely. Let's uh, let's move on. Juventus and Atalanta, a. Uh... The, the ceremony game for Juventus at the at the end of this game they um, lifted the uh, silverware for the eighth consecutive season as far as winning Serie A. It was Max Allegri's last home game as manager of Juventus earlier this week. He announced the announcement that he is stepping down as manager of Juventus. Yeah. Um, Andrea Barzali playing his last home match uh, for Juventus starts the match. They make him captain. Um, so uh, a lot of fanfare here. Atalanta coming in, needing to win uh, to keep some separation from Milan, uh, maintain their place in the top four, uh, and reach the Champions League. Um, and uh, the scoring opened through Josip Ilicic in the 33rd minute off a corner kick. Um, and then uh, Juventus would equalize in the 80th. And a lot of this, despite uh, Atalanta's best efforts to try to put goals on the board, uh, could only come up with the one. Um, uh, some some good performing performances there from Juve's defense, but then it led to Juve snatching a point through Mario Mandzukic, a goal of the week candidate, scoring from sea level uh, to equalize at 1-1. And um, only other note were the moment uh, Federico Benedeschi sent off for a very vicious foul um, yeah. at the end of the game. Just I mean, I don't think he had any malice. He just was awfully late. Right, yeah, exactly. I think that's all it was. And he, he started apologizing to the player after after the fact. So, um, yeah, just it, it's, a, it's a reckless play, but there was no intent in there, I think. So, 
Um, this is funny enough about this game. I, 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 I did a poll uh, during the game, and I said, which kid is uglier, the Juventus one or the Atalanta one? Both were pretty ugly, in my opinion. Uh, the votes came in, and Juventus won in a landslide. So I, I'm in agreement there, but um, neither this team. That's probably the worst thing about this game was the kits. Uh, it, was, it was a fun game to watch. Um, it's great that, you know, we heard about Allegri resigning. Uh, he's going to be – this is going to be his last season with Juventus. And while people were squabbling about, you know, anti-Allegri this, anti-Allegri that, Ronaldo came up, he stepped up, and he said, you know, you know what, let's win this for the coach. He's obviously behind the coach, and, and he, he, he loves everything that Max has done for him, you know, this season. So he, he was 100% behind him and says, come on, guys, we got to win this for him. Because there's a lot of chatter going out there about, like, whether players against him, this and that, but you know Ronaldo stepping up as a leader should and and, and trying to uh, put the put the good ahead of the bad. Well, of course he should be grateful because Allegri pretty much <laughs> restructured his team's tactics to force feed Ronaldo all season. So, um, you know, but uh, but no, I get your point. Um, you know, one one the final here. Um, quick one on Allegri. I mean. Uh, how do you complain about a guy that for five, five seasons wins you five league titles, four cups, uh, and reaches two Champions League finals? Yeah, I, you can't. I mean, you can't. I mean, it, it's, it's amazing what Juventus has done, not only this past eight years, but under Allegri. There were so many unknowns, uh, you know, when he joined, when joined them. A lot of people didn't like the, the hiring at the beginning. A lot of Milan fans made fun of Juventus from, for the hiring. In the beginning, but uh, Allegri has proven that he is a class manager, a a class tactician. Um, he 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 gets up for the big games, uh, his teams do at least, and so uh, he's going to be a he's going to be a hot commodity now. Now that he's available, uh, many teams, not just in, in Italy but in in Europe, are going to be vying for his services. Does he stay in Italy? <sighs> I don't know. I mean, right now, I I don't think right now. There's no I, this coming up next season. I don't think so. I think if he goes anywhere in this next season, it'll be abroad, maybe maybe England or something like that. But um, if he's going to stay in Italy, it would be probably the national team before he does anywhere else. And the national team seems they're pretty secure right now. So he'll probably have to we have to sit out at least a year before he comes back to Syria. I agree. I think he's I think he's overseas. It's just a matter of where he's going to end up landing. So, um, I actually win- manager. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I be, it'd be fun to see, but I, you know, I, 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 they're dreaming. They'll probably find another Dutch coach that's yeah. up and coming. Uh, you know, that's just how Ajax do things. Milan two, Frozenoni nil. Uh, Piantic ending a goal drought. We didn't think we'd say that about him this season, but it happened. Uh, and a Suzo free kick. It doesn't change how I feel about him. Um, but notably, prior to all of that, uh, a penalty save from Donnarumma. Um, was this on uh, Chiano, I believe? Who took the penalty? Correct, Chiano. Yeah, Chiano. All right, so a save on Chiano uh, that uh, maybe set the tone for Milan to was maybe the right thing that at the right time for Milan as far as getting motivated to try to grab the three points in this game because it was it, up until then, Richard, it was a very dull, very slow, very predictable, very typical of what we've seen from Milan, and I tweeted. Milan are going to have to one nil their way to this Champions League spot. Well, they went two nil here, but I, th- th- that's pretty much what they're going to have to do because there's nothing that shows me that they're they're going to, they're, they're definitely no Napoli. Yeah, I so saw in the last podcast I said that you know they played up to their opponents and they played down to their opponents, and I knew games against like Frosinone and even Spal next week they're going to play down to their level. 
Um, the first half was atrocious. It was very boring. I mean, if if anyone had dangerous uh, opportunities, it was Frosinone. Uh, and this is what yeah. we expect from the season with, with Milan because they play they play to their opponents, you know, however good they are or, or bad they are. And that's what exactly what they showed in the first half. But in the second half, they finally got through with Piantic and, and they finally came out of their little slumber there. And you're, you're exactly right. They're going to have to struggle to get to the Champions League spot. I mean, a shout-out's great, but, you know, you're, they're not making it look easy by any stretch. And if you're a Milanista, you're, you're a Milanista, you're, you're, you're got heart palpitations, you know, the last couple weeks of the season. Yeah, for sure. Um, Donnarumma probably back. Is he back in form, do you think? Would you? Would that be fair to say? This is a comeback year for him, 100%. Uh, after last year's debacle and the whole uh, money gate, uh, I think this is definitely a bounce back year for him, and uh, he's back uh, where he where he should have been where he wasn't originally. So, so Milan winning two nil, Sassuolo Roma nil nil. There were thirty nine shots in this game. Um, uh, a lot of fans at the Mape coming away with souvenirs, I think, though, uh, <laughs> right. because out of those thirty nine, only six were on target. Um, you know, uh, Roma dropping another, dropping more points and dropping further out of this. Uh, really needed to win this match to uh, to make this to make this interesting, Richard. And uh, we're all but putting dirt on Roma's chances at a Champions League place, and I think we can pretty much put dirt on their on their prospects. I think, and I'm waiting for some confirmation from somebody to tell me this. They could do it. If they beat Parma and both Atalanta and Inter lose, because all three teams are level on points, after that point, I, I don't know what the tiebreakers are. Um, and they'd have to hope Milan loses would, as well. Yeah. You know, it would it would come down to a uh, – it, it could it, – well, no, because if, if, if they could get into a three-way tie, well, maybe. I think if Milan – it might have to be Atalanta, Inter, and Milan all have to lose and Roma have to win. Right. We think that at the very least – because then they'll get into tiebreakers without Atalanta and Inter, and they don't have to worry about Milan, and they might own a tiebreaker over one of those teams. So uh, let's just say Ro- Roma's going to the Europa League, and you know at this point, um, and uh, it's uh, it's pretty much it's pre- Champions League is pretty much done for them, and it was uh, it was done with this nil nil loss or nil well loss, but nil nil draw against Sassuolo. I think nil nil loss is probably the right way to put it. Uh, they squandered so many opportunities in this matchup. El Sarawi had a sitter from like six yards out. I don't know how he missed the net there. And there's other opportunities in the game as well where they're, they're missed point-blank shots. Concili had a big game, yeah. But uh, Roma only had themselves to blame in this. And, you know, yeah, I, I, I say count your chickens now. With There's there's not going to be no Champions League anymore. I mean, you're going to have to be a miracle to, to make for that to happen. And uh, just, you know, go to go to Europa League, try to do well there. Uh, build on his successes off of that, and 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 go into the next year after that, trying to get Champions League. But uh, they got to find a coach, and they need to find which they may have. But we'll get to that. And uh, yeah, they're gonna have to figure out some pieces on their team. Marante, well, he's much better than Olsen. They need to find a better goalkeeper, I think, to to really be uh, a threat to the Champions League spots. Agreed. Um, noteworthy because we didn't uh, we didn't get to cover this last week and uh, apologies um, uh, apologies for not having a recording last week uh, between uh, uh, my work mainly my work uh, we couldn't uh, we couldn't make it fit with the schedule but um, uh, another no- thing with no- with uh, noteworthy with Roma Daniele De Rossi. Uh, this will be his last season with Roma. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, it sounds like, but I mean, we talked about this with John Solano in the past. We said the toy is going to have to just be taken away from him, and Roma's doing that. So now Roma's getting kind of defamed for this a little bit, where I said, well, what else are you going to do? You know, you know, I mean, what else are you going to do at this point? I mean, Milan are moving on from Ignazio Abate. It's not as significant. <laughs> no. You know, um, at some point you have to say, you've given us all that we think you can give us. It's time for y- you to move on professionally. It's time for us to move on from you. And that is a business decision. That is not a personal decision. And for me, I I am on Roma's side. I think De Rossi has run his course. He's been a fantastic player for club and country. He's a legend. Uh, I even said so on Twitter. The, he, the Bandiera is an absolute dying breed, an absolute rarity. And uh, it's... You know, it's sad to see that um, he can't end his time at Roma on better terms, but his time did have to end regardless of the terms. Yeah, and some people will tell you his time ended probably three years ago, but um, the toys had to be, the keys had to be taken away from the toys, and, and it's about time. And he needs to move on. Roma needs to move on, and they still have they still have Florenzi there and a couple other guys that they can build around. But um, you know, De Rossi he ran his course. He he had a good game here and there but it was mostly bad games and, and he looked slow gave the ball away while he had the fighting spirit and the leadership that you know that he brings the the physical ability wasn't there and that's what's lacking at this level and and it was hurting Roma more than anything else so uh, it was time for him to move on and I think Roma did what they had to maybe it wasn't the most gracious way some Romans fans would want but um like the Rossi fans would want but uh, you have to do what you have to do it's a business thing and uh, for your business to succeed, you have to get rid of the imperfections or inefficiencies, and that's what De Rossi was in this case, unfortunately. Very much agree. Uh, I just wanted to touch on that. And, yeah, I also forgot that it was Abate's last uh, home match for Milan. He's moving on. I guess I forgot because, as I said on Twitter, I said, I don't know if there was ever a game where I looked at it and said, you know what, Abate had a good game. He stood out. I think yeah. he was just, you know, it was 10 years of average, you know, versus what De Rossi has been for much longer than that for Roma. So um, I'm probably going to get some feedback from some Milan people about that. But you know what? That's the truth. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about a guy that obviously loved playing for the club, but, you know, average at best uh, when you take a look at his look, look at his career. So, um, you know, and that's, that's neither here nor there. You can be a good professional and all that other stuff. And that's also important. That's also very important too, but we're, we're, you know, Barzali to Juve, uh, Abate to uh, Milan and uh, De Rossi to Roma, and then your boy, who we're going to talk about a little bit later. Um, uh, <laughs> even although I'll give Abate credit, maybe a little bit ahead of yeah, Abate or Palissier, who did it better for the team? <laughs> who was more beloved? I can tell you who was more beloved. I don't know who did it better. Maybe Abate. But <laughs> <laughs> that that's the question. Yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway. All right, well, here's the here's the permutations, and here's what everybody needs to know as far as the final two Champions League places as we um, wrap up the Euro portion of the program. All right, Atalanta and Inter, real simple. Atalanta's home to Sassuolo, Inter's home to Empoli. They win, if they win, they're in the Champions League. Um, that's uh, It's as simple as that. Milan are sitting fifth on 65 points. Atalanta and Inter have 66. Milan have 65. Milan's in with a win at Spal. And if one of Atalanta and or one of Atalanta or Inter fail to win, 
Okay, so yep. either a draw or a loss. Um, that, to me, Richard, is a much, much better scenario for Milan than what we were possibly looking at if Napoli wanted to mail it in and Inter had their place in the Champions League where Milan are needing to beat Spall and relying on Sassuolo to go and beat Atalanta. This is a much, much better uh, scenario. So things really worked out well for Milan this week in terms of their prospects of getting in the Champions League. Yeah, uh, this uh, this couldn't be any better unless they were in fourth place. Um, but based on the current scenarios, you know, having to win your next game, which is very winnable, and then having your your two teams above you have to, you know, if they fail to win, then you're in. That's a pretty good place to be in, right? Um, both teams uh, ahead of them. Atalanta has been up and down lately, lately, not this whole season, but lately, and Inter has been struggling. So uh, that's that's a good sign. We'll see what happens in this in this last match week. Uh, but Milan are in a pretty good position now, as opposed to maybe a month ago. We said there was no chance that you know Inter were going to be in the in the, uh, in, the, in, the, in the in the discussion because they had third sp- third spot locked, and you know Atalanta Roma were doing their thing. So um, it'll be it'll be interesting uh, race. But Milan is certainly in a much more favorable position now than they were a month ago. And we think maybe Roma's in this picture. If they win and all of Milan, Atalanta, and Inter lose, but that's just, I think that's a huge long shot, um, you know, at this point for them. Uh, as it pertains to the Europa League, Lazio's in with the uh, Coppa Italia win at midweek. We'll talk about that in a little while. Um, Torino, do they have the head to head over Roma? Where if they win and Roma lose, they'll grab sixth? Um, I, I think mean, Roma, they do. I think they do. Yeah. Don't quote me on that. Roma beat. Roma beat Parma, and it's not even a, and it's a moot point. Um, Roma will go to the Europa League. Let me just look this up real quick. Roma have the Europa League locked up. I think Torino is totally out of Europe now. Um, if I uh, am understanding the, uh, if I'm understanding how all this works correctly, Ro- Torino is totally out. So for the Europa League, Roma's in. Uh, Milan have at least clinched the Europa League with the opportunity of. Uh, reaching the Champions League over Inter or Atalanta. Lazio is in the Europa League via winning the Coppa Italia over Atalanta. So we know the two Roman sides are going. We just don't know the third Europa League team. And then obviously the Champions League places after that. Does everybody got it? Good. Because <laughs> now we'll talk about all how the uh, relegation stuff works out. Yeah, so this uh, going into this weekend, we thought everything was uh, pretty much, you know, we know who's re- who's going to Champions League, we know who's going to Europa League, we know who's going to who's going to be relegated. Well, things uh, things were obviously topsy turvy at the end of the weekend, but uh, we knew Udinese were sitting on thirty seven points uh, going into this one. They were just above the relegation zone, uh, needing a win against a, game, a team like Spal, Spal, who has been a feisty team all year and been very hot as of late. Um, this game would be at the Dacia Arena, and Udinese they started out like they they were they were ready to be uh, done with this relegation fight, and they they scored right away early. Uh, Samir with a goal of the week candidate uh, through a lovely header from uh, from uh, a wonderful assist there uh, in the 31st minute. Ok- uh, so, excuse me, um, Okaka Stefano Okaka with a uh, with a lovely header. Uh, makes it two nothing. Just minutes later, Stefano Kaka does the brace with another header. Um, makes it three nothing. Three goals in the first 35 minutes. Frank uh, Udinese came out storming like they were they meant business and they wanted to stay in Serie A. 
Yeah, I mean, and they the week before they came away scoring three goals as well, so they've just been on a tear. Um, it's funny over when, these last few. It's funny when, when you put your back, when your backs are against the wall, what what happens with your team, right? And and it shows with with Nezzy, they've been trying to score a lot of goals lately uh, yep. with their backs against the wall. So yeah, they won at Prozinone the follow the, the previous week three one, and now they they get this win. You know, they get three goals again here against Spal. Um, I you know. But we've always said this about Udinese. They've got very talented young players. You know, Rodrigo yeah. DePaul, you know, chief among them. And, you know, it, they need just the time to come together and they need the experience. And once they're there and if they can keep it together, this is a team that's going to trend upward. And Udinese, they thought, you know, they have a very, very talented team. They're up 3 nothing. It's halftime. The game's over, right? At least in their eyes, because uh, they stopped playing for the most part because uh, Spal, they started storming back. Uh, in the 52nd minute, Andrea Patano, with one, one of the goals of the week candidate, uh, scores a lovely goal, moves around the defender, scores uh, top shelf, uh, makes it 3-1, and just minutes later, Velotti cuts it back to one goal uh, lead, so it's uh, 3-2 within the 60th minute. Uh, luckily, Udinese uh, woke up enough in time, uh, settled the ship, and uh, they end up winning 3-2. Um, it, it was easy in the first half. The second half, they found it a little hard. They they took their foot off the gas, and I think it's it's a mistake. And it doesn't matter. I used to say in, in football, when you're up two nothing or whatever, you know you should continue to put the put the gas pedal on and keep trying to score because that's the worst lead to have. And uh, three goal lead even seemed almost uh almost uh, too close for them. Uh, but um, what do you make of the the Jekyll and Hyde uh, first and second half between Ferrudinese? It was interesting. I mean, they kind of did. They, they kind of did this last week against Frosinone too, where they yeah, they, exactly. they ran out three no leaders and then they just Frosinone got their goal. So, um, you know, it, it's some of it is a sign of relative inexperience. I mean, when you look at the second half stats, I think it was one of those where Spall had sixty seven percent possession, twelve shots. I mean, they. They dominated just about every category here in the second half. So, I mean, it was almost as if, you know, Tudor says, all right, we've got this. Just sit back. Let's let him have the ball. Let's defend. Let's not give anything away. But you're doing this with a team that's conceded 52 goals this season. You know, this isn't – just because they wear the black and white stripes doesn't mean they're Juventus defensively. Okay? <laughs> so, um, so it's uh, it was a little bit of a, you know – Udinese to me is a team. Just keep attacking, okay? Yeah. If you got three, that's not enough. Go get six. So when they go to Cagliari uh, next week, um, that's got to be the mentality. Just keep attacking and just keep pressing. Yeah. I, you know, something I took away from this game is Stefano Alcaca is really becoming a, a formidable player, especially in the air. And I'm thinking, you know, the Azzurri could have a front line of Moise Keane and Stefano Okaka potentially and it'll be a great one-two punch because you got a speedster and a guy like Moise Keane who's just so freaking uber-talented. And then Stefan Okaka, who's dangerous in the air. They could be a lethal one-two punch if Okaka gets his game stepped up more. But uh, he's still got a little bit of ways to go to make the national team. But I think he could possibly be a good running running partner with Moise Keane. I don't hate the idea. Um, I just it, it, it probably – I don't hate the idea – I think it maybe takes away from how Mancini wants to uh, set up. Sure, sure. With a four-three-three, um, it seems like he wants wingers. He wants wingers that are going to cut inside and and run. And Moise Keane's going to try to move and do all sorts of things. If it was a classic, you know, even what Udinese does, where they play three at the back and they play with wing backs like 
like Stryker, Larson, and Zegelar in this case, um, where crosses are coming in from the flank and you've got to have a target man, then yeah, that would be a great idea. That would make sense. You know, an Antonio Conte system, for example, with a back three, and if you wanted to play two up front, that's not the worst idea in the world, no. Um, but I think under you know man, under under Mancini's system, I don't don't know the, if the fit is there. Uh, right. But the idea has potential. That's my polite way of shooting down here. <laughs> Let's play Stefano Okaka in the Nazionale with Ken up front. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to get into well, who you're going to take out. Yeah, no, <laughs> so. yeah, oh yeah. There's always discussion about that. Um, so, you know, Spal, they, they could have mailed it in. They didn't. Uh, they're, they're, they're safely in Syria next season. They're not going to go any higher really much, and they're not going to go down much. They're not going to get relegated. So, um, they, uh, they kind of took off the first half, but they came back with a vengeance to show that they're still, um, have the potential to do really well. And Patania really 16 goals this season. Uh, who would have thought, you know, a career year for him when he made that move to Patania, to Spal. Many thought maybe that would be a step down or a, a sign that his career is maybe coming down a downward spiral, but it's a great season for him and a great season for Spall. Um, they're going to be in the season next year. Maybe they have now a combination. They need to find more depth, obviously, but um, at least with Batania, if they could put him at least on a weight program or something, um, they got a player in there who can at least you know contribute 15 to 20 goals every season. He's – I mean, Spall uh, – as as he went, Spall went, uh, especially in the set with all of his goals. I mean, he basically right. helped lift Spall to, uh, you know, to getting out of this mess. I mean, they're 42 points. They're safe. They're back in Serie A next season. Um, you know, they need to, if they can keep Lizzotti, that's going to be interesting. If they can keep Kortic, I mean, because I think that there are some decent pieces in this Spall midfield. I still think that they're a grind to play against. They're not going to necessarily play the prettiest football. But if you've got Patania on form scoring goals, you know, they're the kind of team that against some of the opponents that they play, one or two goals is all they're going to need. Yeah. Um, and Patania's providing that for them. So um, it was an excellent second half of the season for him, and it helped Spall get themselves out of some trouble and, Man, eleventh place for Spall. I don't think anyone saw that coming. I, I certainly did not. You know, I, I picked them for for relegation, so I, I'm happy to see that they they found a way, and uh, and that way was through Patania, like you said. And um, yeah, so they're safe. Uh, you know, moving on to the next game, Genoa Cagliari. Genoa is a team who, for a good part of the season, we thought were you know pretty safe, especially with Prandelli at the helm. But um, last couple of weeks with the results, they began closer and closer to the relegation zone. Uh, and coming to this game, they were sitting on 36 points. Uh, they were sitting just one point above Empoli going into this one. And so the game did not start out very well uh, for Cagliari. Genoa did have their opportunities, no doubt about it. This is a goalkeeper duel here between Cranio and Radu. Uh, both goalkeepers making fantastic saves throughout the games, both from beginning to end. Uh, but it would be Cagliari who broke through first with Leonardo Pavaletti. One of the goals of the week candidate gets it off his chest, then uh, gets in the top corner. Around the goal, around the defender, uh, Cagliari up one nothing, and it stayed by that scoreline for the longest time. Uh, Cagliari doing a good job to stifle Genoa. Genoa, every time they had an opportunity, Cranio was there to make the save. Um, uh, Cagliari kept pushing as they should to try to score goals, but Radu was there making saves. And it wasn't until the 89th minute where uh, there's a cross in by Crescito. It hits off uh, Romagna, or I forget who it was. Uh, and then hits and then hits off uh, a defender who gets the elbow to it, 
they call the they make the call. It's a penalty for Genoa. Frank, do you agree with that call? It, it, I mean, it was an elbow. It wasn't. What do you think? What do you make of that play? Do, do you think it was a straight up penalty there, or do you think it was too strict, too lenient? What do you think? Wow. Um, yeah, I went back and forth when I watched that and thought, you know. It's just it's going to be one of those where there's going to be some referees and VAR units that are going to say yes that's a clear penalty yeah. and then there's going to be others that are going to say no that that isn't so you know it's um, for me it was flip a coin yeah. um, you know and this just happened to be the crew that awarded it yeah and I think it was uh, it was an unfortunate way for the game to end uh, if for Cagliari you know it's, it's assuming that the goal is going to go in you don't know that because we've seen with you know Don with uh, Donnarumma making saves and uh, and we other seen other goalkeepers make uh, penalty saves. It's not guaranteed that goal is going to be scored, but you're you know the game comes in. You're playing so well all game long, then a penalty gets called at the you know 90th minute. Um, it, it, it was tough, but I mean it is what it is. I mean you can't argue too much. I guess the elbow was stick was sticking out there. It was deflected off. It was deflected off his own teammate. But um, anyway, either way, uh, the the captain Crescito stepped up, scores the goal in the dying embers of the game, salvages a 1-1 draw for Genoa. Uh, a win would have been much better for them uh, in this scenario. However, a point, you know, at least they, at least they got a point in this one, they, and they thought they were be sitting pretty uh, in this one. And its game was very, you know, it's Genoa is not a team, and and they're managed by a, a, a manager who we don't think we don't we don't we don't associate relegation with, right? If you have Prandelli, you're thinking, okay, you're at least you're at least mid table, but you're probably going to be closer to Europa League. You look at the players that Genoa have; they're they're a good bunch. Even before, even after Piontek left, they still had good players on their team. Uh, yeah, you still got Kwame there. You still got Crescito, um, yeah, Sanabria, and all, all of the players. But they're they've been struggling at the end of the season, Frank, and they can't they can't seem to get the results that they need. Uh, and now they're all of a sudden in the relegation fight. And I put a I put a poll out there um, after this game, and I said. Who's more likely to get relegated? Is it Genoa or is it Empoli? And, we'll, and the reason why I put that poll out there, uh, there's a game, uh, the Empoli match, where they played Torino. If, if you're looking at it from the outside, Frank, going into this game, Torino has one of the best defenses in Serie A. The chances that Empoli were going to win, you know, they have it. They have, we looked at their schedule. It's a gauntlet, right? We thought the chances of, you know, Torino losing this one was very slim, didn't we? Yeah, I mean. We looked at Empoli's running and we said there's no chance they're getting out. Right. No chance. Um, but they won. At, they beat Fiorentina in the Tuscan Derby. Yeah. Uh, they won at Sampdoria, and now they now they're playing Torino. They and and as you're gonna as you're gonna show as you're gonna tell everybody here, they destroyed Torino. Yeah, it was almost a, a almost a recap of the Inter Napoli matchup there. Um, Empoli obviously showed that they they've been in hot form. They do not want to get relegated, and they started the scoring in the 27th minute uh, with uh, with Aqua, former Torino player. Uh, he scores a goal. Looks like he passed into the back of the net, right past Sidigu. Nothing Sidigu could do is just perfectly placed. Uh, so the former Torino man gives Empoli the lead, one nothing. Uh, Iago Falque, uh, not to be outdone, uh, he he steps up with a goal of the week uh, candidate there. He he equals the game at 1-1 at, in the 56th minute. So Empoli had the lead going into halftime. Torino respond just after halftime. However, minutes later, uh, Brighi, another former Torino player, he get, gets Empoli the lead back at 2-1. And a lot of people were thinking this game could have been a shootout. I mean, I didn't think so based on Torino's defense because they've been pretty staunch all year. Some people were saying 3-3 and or 2-2 or whatever. 
Um, so 2-1 for Empoli in the 65th minute. Uh, minutes later, another goal of the week candidate, uh, Di Lorenzo, uh, gets a goal, makes it 3-1 for Empoli, Frank. And um, who wouldn't you know it? They haven't scored four goals all year, but this is the game they would do it against a staunch Torino defense in the 85th minute um Caputo with a with a his 16th goal of the season great season by him uh your relative he gives him a 4-1 lead a, a complete obliteration of, uh, by Empoli they they meant business uh, they're meaning business down the stretch here the third consecutive win uh first time scoring four goals all season and with that win they they temporarily jump over Genoa and out of the relegation zone so as we stand right now Empoli have 38 points Genoa have 37 and Genoa are now in the relegation zone so um not a result many people predicted outside of the uh, outside of Tuscany uh what a win by by Empoli to beat a team like Torino cuz I frankly did not see it I I thought Torino were at least going to shut them down uh make it a 0-0 game 1-0 game for Torino but uh, wow, what a what a match! What a res- response by Empoli. I'm going to say this right now: if they survive, if they get the right result against Inter and stay up in Serie A, I, 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 have, I have so much respect for Gian Giampiero Gasparini, but I will go contrarian from everybody and make Andrea Zoli my manager of the season. Uh, I'm with you, man. I'm with you because no, no one. He got sacked. He got sacked for Yakini. And then Yakini couldn't get it done, and they went crawling back to him and said, "Here, help us get out of this mess." My bad. Yeah, have you ever heard of that? No. I mean, it's astonishing what they're doing right now. I mean, we 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 looked at it as, "Oh, they're done." The the we we said for weeks, the three that are at the bottom are the three going down, and they're proving us wrong. I mean, this is going to be to me. This would be a greater escape than Crotone a couple seasons ago. Just considering, just because Fiorentina, um, Sampdoria, now Torino. I mean, those are three good teams. Yeah, yeah, and and Fiorentina's in this mess too, by the way, <laughs> which I know you're going to talk about. Um, who would have thunk that they went from Europa League contender to now? <laughs> oh my goodness! Fighting for the and and guess who's coming to the Artemio Franchi match week 38? Oh, Cesare my. Frantelli in Genoa. Look at that. <laughs> Look at that. I mean, come on. It is, it, is Berlusconi it, writing the script? No, script writers are out there like, man, I can't do any better than this. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, we're going to take a little break from the maniacal here for a second. We're going to go to the talk about Kievo and, and Sampdoria because really we nothing Parma, on the line. We've got the Parma-Fiorentina game yet. We didn't we, cover that. We haven't covered that yet. No, we haven't got to that yet. Uh, we'll get well, well. Let's get to that one because that has more implications than the Kievo matchup. Yeah, because um, Fiorentina's in this thing. Yeah, because no. Fiorentina are now in this thing. Uh, this is a game. This is if you look at Parma and Fiorentina. Parma obviously are in Serie A locked up, but they wanted to make sure make sure that Fiorentina are clearly in uh, vacation mode uh, because this game, while it was uh, opportunities going both ways, um, it just didn't seem like. Fiorentina are really too interested in this, and you know under Montella, uh, James Horncastle put up some tweet about statistic about you know Montella when he when he takes over teams how they do, and his he's got what, like five losses in a row now with Fiorentina or something crazy. Um, Parma would win this game on an own goal by Jared Son in the 80th minute, but uh, you know this looked like neither team wanted to win this game. Yeah, for Fiorentina dominated possession, you know 60 to 40 or whatever. But uh, they had they had to, they had to force uh, Sepe to make some saves. But what did they really really you know threaten Parma? I don't think so. I mean Parma, while they had a lot of shots against them, they looked fairly comfortable and they were making their opportunities going forward. You know, Gervinho was made captain before uh, before the game, so 
Um, Fiorentina really put no kind of fight in this one. They looked like they were already, you know, in Sicily vacationing or something. And Parma at least kind of, you know, they kind of at least kept playing like they should, like professionals, and they ended up getting the win. And wouldn't you know, Fiorentina now sit on 40 points. 40 points, Frank. They're three points above the relegation zone. I mean, what's going on here? It's astonishing. Um, another one. <laughs> they... 18 shots, two on target. Yeah. What happened to this wonderful... I mean... Simeone missed a lot of sitters, as did Chiesa and a couple other guys. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. Montella comes in with a system that does not fit that team. Where have you heard that before? Exactly. You know, I mean, they sack Tioli, they bring in Montella, and he's got... He's going from, I mean, square pegs and round holes, and we've been repetitive on this podcast. The only player that remotely benefits from playing this system is Biragi on the left, okay, because he gets to advance a little further forward as a wingback. But it does not fit. It does not work, and guys are confused. Where, where do you put Chiesa now? You know, I mean, it's just, it's, and, and now they're, they're at risk of getting relegated here. Um, you know, if we got to get into tiebreakers <laughs> – you know, Genoa at Fiorentina. Let's see what happened in the in the first game at the um, at the Marassi. I'm going to go back and look right now. Um, nil nil. So Genoa can win this game if Genoa wins this game. Wow. All right. Genoa wins this game. Udinese get a point, and Empoli get a point. Or no, Empoli win. Empoli will have to win. I mean. Seriously, get your head around this, Richard. Genoa beat Fiorentina, and Udinese and Empoli win. Fiorentina are relegated. I mean, crazy. No one would have seen that coming. I mean, no one. Fiorentina, we thought were safe. There were, there were, yeah. They, you know, a couple weeks ago, we just said, oh, they're safe in tenth place. They're gonna be. They're not gonna go anywhere. I mean, there's yes, there are probably you know between from Bologna, 14th spot down to Genoa. All within three points of each other. Fiorentina's in that mix. No one would have thought that. No one. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Unbelievable is the right word to put because, I mean, what else can you say? You know, a team as talented as this, and we keep talking about Udinese are talented. Yes, and they are. Fiorentina are so much more talented. And, you know, they got Luis Marial. They got Chiesa. They got Simeone. They got Lafont. They got so many uber talented players, and they're not performing. And, they obviously played much poorer once Matella took over. It's just a conflict of ideologies. I don't know what it is. Uh, I don't know if the players are just not playing for him. That's what it seems like. But, yeah, if Fiorentina gets relegated, I mean, people are going to just be in utter shock. Utter shock. It will be, to me, the most colossal collapse of any team ever. <laughs> Ever, I can't remember in my in my thirty years a of watching team, a quality football, team. yeah, a, a quality team. Somebody that when you look at their roster, this is not a team that should be relegated. This is a team that should be fighting for Europe, and should have been trending upward under Pioli this season. And they are, if the right results break, they are relegated, and that is just that is just unbelievable. Yeah, uh, pff, I, I just don't know what to say about it. I mean, Parma are safe now. Fiorentina are not safe. They're one point. They're one point different between each other. Um, that win today was big for for Parma, for Parma 
Uh, they're they're for sure not going to be relegated now. But part about Fiorentina, man, look out now. I mean, the results go completely against them, and they're going to be in Serie B. No one would have who would have thought that, right? Yeah. Jeez. Well, the round out the slate of this the games that have been played uh, is Kievo Verona, Kievo Verona against Sampdoria. Uh, neither team are really have any much anything much at stake. Sampdoria are safe at mid mid table. Uh, Kievo are are in Serie B already. Uh, the, 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 this game was zero zero. Nothing really to talk about. The main thing really was um, this is Sergio Pellicier's swan song of a game. He got a grand uh, exit as did Barzali uh, when he got subbed off in whatever minute it was. Uh, he got a, everyone on the, everyone on the pitch pretty much hugged him and said, you know, the the fans are crying. Blah blah blah. Um, it was a good game. Uh, well, good, I guess, in a sense. You can see Qualiarello was there as well, another another veteran who's a Capo Canieri leader right now. Uh, just throw that in there. But um, nothing really worth, other outside of that, nothing but in this game to really talk about. I mean, there was a red card in this match when Barba in the 40th minute, uh, he got a red that really could have you know, affected this game. But, you know, Kievo held in there for Pelissier's last match, and uh, 0-0 was the final scoreline of this one. So, um, the, another another relegation game that's going to be big is going to be tomorrow, which is Lazio and Bologna. But um, the games that were played this weekend, it just nothing went as we would thought. I mean, who who would have thought Fiorentina was in, in a relegation fight? Genoa is currently in the relegation zone. Empoli is out. Um, Udinese is still not out of this. Bologna is not out of this. Uh, but pretty much from 13th position upwards, you're safe. So. Uh, this race, while we thought it was going to be good at the end, it's getting much better, Frank, and uh, now it's just unpredictable. I mean, like you said, if Fiorentina gets relegated, no one would have thought that. No one. I mean, maybe may, may good to go to Vegas right now and put bets on Fiorentina, you know, getting relegated so you can win some money if that happens. Because I'm sure the yeah, odds I'm, are ridiculous. I'm going and looking right now and seeing what happens here. Um, I want to look at the head-to-head between Empoli and Genoa. Um, Genoa won at Empoli on the second game, 3-1. Um, on the first game, Genoa won that as well, 2-1. So Genoa have the head-to-head advantage over Empoli. So Genoa get a draw at Fiorentina and Empoli lose to Inter. Um, Empoli go down. So let's just go through all of the permutations with everybody that's involved. Bologna are safe if they can get a point tomorrow at Lazio or... Uh, if they can get a point at home against Napoli. All right, so tall order for Sidney Mihailovic has been, but the way they've been playing, not you know, they're in very good form right now. I'm not ruling ruling that out. I think a, yeah. a very doable for um, uh, Bologna to stay up. Fiorentina, if they lose, Fiorentina have to lose to Genoa, and Udinese and M- Udinese fail to lose and Empoli win. So if, if Fiorentina lose to Genoa, Udinese draw or win, Empoli win, Fiorentina are relegated. All right. Um, if Genoa beat Fiorentina and Udinese don't win, I think for Udinese to get relegated, it's, it's for Genoa to beat Fiorentina, and then I believe if Empoli win, Udinese is relegated. Uh, Empoli is relegated with a loss. And any result for Genoa that's not a loss. So that's how it looks. Genoa need to uh, Genoa need to win and they need help. Yeah. So has everybody got that? Whew, I don't know if I sure? got it, but. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, and for all of you blue and black people, Brooks Kepka did hang on and win the PGA Championship. So Inter fans, Zanto, there's, hopes fans. there's hopes for there's you. There's hope. Yeah. <laughs> so. So yeah. Uh, he he wore blue and black and he won a championship. So. <laughs> so anyway, so that's the uh, that's the relegation uh, scenario played out once again. Bologna are safe with a point tomorrow at Lazio, or at home against Napoli. Fiorentina are relegated. With a loss to Genoa, and with Udinese either tying or winning, and Empoli winning, uh, Udinese is relegated, I believe, with a loss. And let's see who Udinese finish up against. That's the only one we didn't see. Uh, they finish away. They finish away to Cagliari. Udinese is down with a loss and with a Genoa win and, and an Empoli win. I believe Udinese fall into 18th on that. Empoli go down um, with a if they lose and Genoa get a, at least a draw, or if Empoli draw and Genoa get a win, uh, and then Genoa have to win and hope Empoli fails to win. So mm-hmm. that's uh, that's our relegation picture. That's how it's looking the rest of the way. And they say the last week of the season is all about just putting youngsters and fringe players out there and having games not this week <laughs> six to five and whatever so not this week <laughs> there is way too much to play for in match week 38 your thoughts on what you've seen with the euro picture with the relegation picture yeah fine juve ran away with this with the title but there's still so much going on with one week left go to at city sit down on twitter or instagram and we're going to get to some miscellaneous news All right, I think they had some kind of Serie A awards uh, this week, Richard, and uh, why don't you uh, enlighten the people with uh, uh, how those went down, and uh, we can do, we can discuss and debate uh, the selections. All right, so I'll give you the, I'll give you the main ones. Okay, uh, Ronaldo was given the Serie A MVP award uh, before Juventus's match against Atalanta. Uh, Samir Hamdanovic won best goalkeeper. Kaladu Koulibaly, best defender. Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, best midfielder. Old man Fabio Quagliarella, best attacker. And Zaniolo, best young player. Um, how, let's go this one through one by one and uh, tell me how you think. So Ronaldo for Serie A MVP, does that jive with you? I don't know. Um, was he really the best player in the league this season? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I mean, we're going to have our own awards at the end of the season uh, where we'll pick a player of the season. And I'm having a hard time really picking a, a player of the season from this league. And it's almost felt like Ronaldo got it by default and just because of his name, which kind of stinks. You know who I'm going to, you know who I'm going to give it to? Papu Gomez? No, I'm going to give it to Dries Mertens, 15 goals, 11 assists. I uh, like that. I like that. Yeah. I like Papu Gomez if Atalanta end up in the Champions League. I'm not against giving it to Qualiarella for the season he had. No, neither am I. So, uh, Papu so, Gomez is a good shout. Atalanta, yeah. I mean, especially if they make Champions League. Whether they get Champions League or not. Um, yeah, what Atalanta's done, what he's done for them. Uh, it's a great shout, too. So, I mean, if you, anyway. if, you want, if you want to do best Serie A performance in a Champions League match and give an award for that, I'll give it to Ronaldo. Yeah, against Atlético Madrid. Yeah. Sure. But to me, that doesn't mean he's 
That doesn't mean <laughs> that doesn't mean he was Let's the. Let's make him happy know, and give him a reward player so he can stay in the league. Yeah. That's what it sounds garbage. like. Garbage. Now, the more that I think about it. Yeah. So. All right. So the second award, uh, Samir Hamdanovich, best goalkeeper. Thoughts on that? I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to fight people on it um, because I think there's been a lot of key games where he's come up with a lot of big saves. Sidigu belongs in this conversation. Yep. Um, and I would I would think that's it. Those two. I think you can make a case for Donnarumma. Um, he started. He he accumulated a number of clean sheets and important saves here down the stretch for Milan to have a, a shot at making top four. Um, I think it's I think it's to those three. Um, I would add the three names. Those are three. Those are names I would certainly put on on the, my list of top goal, goalies for the year. Um, I'd also probably throw in there uh, Skorupski, um, Radu, and Kranjo as well. Um, yeah, like they all had great seasons. So I'm not going to fight Samir Handanovic too much. There's no one that really stood out too much for me. They're all good. They all had great games uh, throughout the year. So, uh, well, it doesn't sound like the sexy pick. Handanovic did have some big games, right? You he did. You can't argue that. Yeah, he did. So I don't, I don't hate any of those ideas. Um, you know, I just uh, uh, not going to fight uh, the Handanovic selection. It's it's fine. But uh, you know, there's enough there's enough goalkeepers that uh, are in and around where he is. I think this next one's going to be fairly easy. Kalu Koulibaly, best defender. That's no brainer. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Maybe best defender um, in the world, but certainly Serie A. Chiellini's in the conversation if he wasn't injured. Skriniar as well. I, oh, yeah, and, and I think Skriniar's had a fine season. Yeah. Uh, you know, but Koulibaly is the class. Yeah, what Koulibaly means to that Napoli team uh, is just immense. I mean, so Today he had a goal line clearance uh, against Inter. So, I mean, yep. he's done, uh, amongst the other things he's done for for them, so. Yep. Um, <laughs> Sergey Milinkovic-Savic, best midfielder. That's sick. <laughs> that is that's a that's a pathe- that's a pathetic sick joke. And I know they're probably going to base this on statistics, but come on, man, Just watch the freaking games. He's, yeah, he did. You know, he did one thing all year long, and that was in the Coppa Italia final. Freuler or Deron were better than him this oh, season. Oh yeah. Actually, both of them were better than him this season. Um, you could make a case for Fabian Ruiz. Yep. Um, you know, for Napoli. Zelensky. You could make any, a case any for the Napoli midfielders. I'll, I'm, here, I'm going to go ahead. Let's just go. I'm going to go here. I'm looking at the Serie A table, and I will give you a player from each team that I would rate over Sergei Milinkovic Savage right now. I probably Perfect. can do this with every damn team. All you've maybe, maybe not Maybe not Kiev or uh, a Frozen Oni, but, and, and maybe not Genoa. But, um, all right. So, Juventus, uh, Pjanic. Oh, yeah. uh, Napoli, Fabian Ruiz. Uh, Atalanta, like I said, Proiler Durun, Inter Brozovic, Milan. I'd give you the hot take. Bakioko has been yep. better than Sergei Milinkovic Savage. Yes. Um, Roma. Okay, fine. I don't think there's anyone Roma that in the midfield that's been better than SMS this season. At least that it stood out. Maybe Pellegrini, um, but that's a reach. <clears throat> uh, Sampdoria. Okay, can't really find anybody in there. Sassuolo slam dunk. Stefano Sensi. Uh, yeah. Spall, Kortic, Parma. uh, He only played half the season with Parma, but Kuchka was better than SMS. Uh, Cagliari, Barella, or Cigarini. Um, Bologna, Pulgar. Fiorentina. um, Vertu. Vertu. Benassi. Benassi. Oh, yeah, Benassi for sure. Okay. Um, Udinese. Oh, it's drawing a blank. 
Fofana. Yeah. Yeah. Empoli, Radek, Runic. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> All of them are better than SMS. Just this season, in a vacuum, just this season. Yeah. Okay. As, Sergei was outstanding last season. Okay. But this season, he's been disappointing. I don't even know if he he's the best from, midfielder in Lazio. What's that? I don't, even, I don't even know if he's the best midfielder in Lazio. He's not. Lucas Leiva is. Right, exactly. Um, you know, so yeah, go to go to Lazio. You can find a better better midfielder than, <laughs> than, the, than the one that they picked. I mean, it's just a disgusting decision there. I don't know who decided that, but that was just a joke. Oh, I don't. Yeah, I don't get that one. Maybe it was maybe this was made right after he scored the goal in the Coppa Italia, but uh, whatever. Uh, so that didn't make any sense to me. Okay, Fabio Claudella, best attacker. That's yeah, a that's no a slam dunk. Yeah, I got no. Dunk. I am not fighting that. No. <laughs> uh, and Zaniolo, best young player. Fine. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I mean it's um, there aren't many there aren't many beyond him. Moise Keane. I mean you can Moise Keane you could throw in there. Can. But I mean body of work that didn't. I think Zaniolo played a little more than Ken did. Yeah, and he had some big games and Champions League games too. So. Right. Um, and then uh, let me see. Uh, maybe you can qualify Donnarumma. Um. You know, but uh, because he's only what he's still only nineteen. He's youngster, so. So he feels Lafont like he's is, like Lafont's a good he, player too. He feels like he's like twenty six. I know. I know. <laughs> he's had him for so long. He's half my age. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's less than half my yeah. age. So, oh. just a, just crazy. Oh my. So yeah, I, no no no. Zaniel was fine. Yeah. I'm not not fighting that. He was he he solid. Um, can't really think of uh. Can't really think of another player that I could just spout off off the top of you know off the tip of my tongue that would say no this was this, this guy's better than Zaniolo so so yeah I mean, they did okay um, but the the midfielder the midfielder award was a joke yeah and, and yeah that and the MVP I think were were jokes um, but everything else are pretty good with so yeah and like I said and then and yeah MVP. You know, let's give this one more week because I'm, you know, you say Meritans, I say Papu Gomez. I think both of them have been more valuable than than, than maybe Ronaldo has been. So, um, you know, it's uh, you know, I, that's a that's a name brand award, and it almost feels like they created this award ceremony to to give him a shiny trophy. Yeah. So, like you said, to try to keep him in Serie A for another season. So, it's interesting, but, um. So those are the City Awards. I think the other thing we want to touch on is I think we're bracing ourselves for a historic managerial carousel. Oh my in goodness, Serie A, yes. Richard. Oh my goodness, yes. Um, let's let's just run through it. Juventus Allegri's step down. Yep. Napoli is Napoli's going to keep Ancelotti. Atalanta would like to keep Gasparini, but there's a, probably going to be an opportunity for him to move forward. Uh, we think Spalletti's a lame duck at Inter. Um, we think that good. Milan will start with a new manager regardless of where they finish next season. Yeah. Roma are going to have a new manager. Ranieri's just babysitting right now. Um, so that's five out of the top six. Um, Ranier, uh, Mazzari's surely, surely going to stay at Torino. They're going to make a trophy for him, maybe. <laughs> Unless he's tempted by one of the bigger clubs and wants to have another go well, at it. But if yeah. he's smart, he stays right where he yeah, is. Yeah, he's in a good spot. Lazio, I could have said... Inzaghi was out, but now that he's won the Coppa Italia, I think he's staying, and I don't think he's going to take a promotion. I think he loves that club too much. I just can't buy into him being the next Milan or Juve manager or some of the things that are floated around about Can him. Can he do any better, though, at, at at Lazio? Meaning, he just won the Coppa Italia. That's fantastic. But 
can he? Is, is there a chance for him to win a Champions League or a Scudetto with them? I don't think so. If he leaves now on a good note, he could be this, I would, a legend. I would think Lotito because of the Copa Italia win and the fact he'll be back in the Europa League. I would I would think that Lotito would give him another season to see what he can do. So if he wants it, right, right, for sure, sure. Uh, Sampdoria, I don't think Gianpaolo is safe, um, and we'll find out. Um, Sassuolo, did Serbi his? Sherby, unless he gets a promotion. I'm happy to see him find a place where he can hang his hat yeah. and hope he stays for another season. Yeah. Um, Spall manager. Sorry, what's his name again? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's staying. <laughs> he should stay. Um, hang on a second. Parma, yeah. Let's, let's just like, focus on the top ten because the top ten is. Oh, Simplice, Simplice, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Simplice, yeah. Just for some reason, that just is for I don't know why that escaped. Uh, Diverse is staying at Parma. Uh, Maran, Maran safe at Cagliari. Mihailovic is safe at Bologna. Fiorentina should drop this with Montella, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I don't think Tudor is a long-term answer for Udinese, and I think they'll have, you know, he's. I think I, I, I could be wrong, but if there's an Udinese supporter out there who can tell us, is he here to finish the season, or does he want to be there long-term? Um, Andre Azzoli will Andre Azzoli will continue with Empoli, um, regard you know, regardless of survival or promotion. I think he's proven himself. Prandelli's getting the sack at Genoa. There's no way Preziosi stays with him, survival or not. Um, and uh, Frozenone and Kievo. Let's so, but let's just talk about you know Frozenone and Kievo are already down. So we'll just talk about the 18 teams that are still kind of in it. So that's one, two, three, four. That's up to that's that's a possibility of up to nine openings for next season. Just tells you how crazy a business this is, right? Yeah, I mean, if you, and you just look at the top six, you know, the big six, if you will. That's five of the six possibly. Um, you've, uh, I mean, it's funny. A lot of people, a lot of rumors are circulating circulating right now. I mean, Domenico Tedesco was a guest over with, uh, at the Juve for Juventus at the Juventus Atalanta matchup. Uh, rumors that Gasparini, credible source that he may be signing with with Roma. Uh, credible sources saying Conte may be going to Inter. I mean, there's so many names going around. I mean, and there's a lot of big names available, right? Sadi, Conte, um, obviously Allegri now, um, possibly Inzaghi. Who knows? It's 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 crazy to think how how big how much the top six could change. Okay, so you have some candidates out there. Um. Di Francesco's out there, doesn't have a job yep. right now. Yep. Um, where I think he would be a nice fit. At, you know, if Sampdoria wanted to move on from Giampaolo, I, I think it would be an ideal place for Di Francesco uh, to rejuvenate his career. You know, mid-table club at the moment, but has upside to possibly threaten for Europe, has, and has done so in the past. Um, I think Fiorentina, <laughs> Pioli's out there. <laughs> you know, he's not a bad manager. I don't think he is. I don't think he got enough time with Fiorentina. Uh, and to make the decision to go from him to Montella and go to a radical formation change at that stage of the season, Fiorentina is paying the price for it. Yeah. Um, you know, so some of these middle clubs there's, could end up getting a guy like a Di Francesco um, or a uh, Pioli. Uh, but the guys at the very top right now, Juventus, Allegri, that's, that is the hot job right now. 
um, well, certainly in Italy, um, but arguably one of the hot jobs in Europe. Um, who do you envision getting this seat? You said Tedesco. Um, and Tedesco spent some time. He was at Schalke, wasn't he? Yeah, he did well would, first uh, season and second season, not so much. <laughs> what would Juventus? Uh, what would Juventus get with him? Uh, a tactician. He could possibly be one of the one of the best young managers in the game, uh, potentially in the in the form of like a Julian Nagelsmann, where he's he breathes he breathes and lives everything with the game. Uh, he'll sure up the defense. Not the defense is a weak point for them. Uh, but he'll bring flexibility with his with his uh, his management style. So it's a, certainly a unique pick. Uh, he didn't have enough time at Schalke to really to see what he really could brought because the first season he took them from like mid table to to second spot in Bundesliga, and then the next year they, they were near relegation. So hard to tell what he's gonna what really he truly brings. Um, but it's potential there. And then there's other names. It's it's crazy to me that they announced this Allegri thing with no at least to the public. There's no real name. Uh, on the as the next manager on the lips, right? No one knows. There's like who who's gonna be? They thought maybe Conte, but the Inter connection seems very strong at the moment. Um, it would have to be a big manager, you would think, well, or would they take their chance with a, with an unproven manager? Um, maybe they think they're so far ahead of, of the competition that they can they can take that risk. I'm gonna throw an, I'm gonna throw a name out there that is way out. Jump all I <laughs> nope nope that I wrote about. A year and a half ago, when I was actively doing the Calcio Consultant blog, um, and he's out of a job right now, Massimo Carrera. Ah, oh, yes, yes. Filled in for ten games when Conte was suspended. Juventus in those ten games, one seven drew three, twenty four goals four nine against. This was back in two thousand twelve. Hmm. Um, at Spartak Moscow, won a won a Russian title there. Uh, eighty nine game, play eighty nine matches. 149, drew 20, lost 20. Um, you know, has some top flight experience to some degree. Knows his way around Juve a little bit. Um, the landscape has certainly changed even since 2012, but that's not a, that's not a horrible, uh, not a horrible suggestion in my opinion. Um, Antonio Conte, uh, Where's he going to end up? And he's he's a big piece of this puzzle, as we've oh, been yeah. saying. Allegri, oh, yeah. does he stay in Italy? We talked about this. We think he's going abroad. You know, we think he's going to take on a challenge there. Sadi can't rule out him coming back to Italy. I mean, this is yeah. just this is going to be one of the craziest um, coaching carousels we've seen, at least since we've for sure since we've done this podcast. Um, but you know, because usually we're talking about three or four new managers at some smaller places and or maybe one at a big place in this case like Ancelotti going to Napoli and then there's three or four you know at some more of the mid table side so how about Zeman no I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> they'd never hire him I, I think you know he's spoken too much too badly about them too many times I think so I think so so which which ship do you think falls first the Juventus one or do you think one of the other ones other big clubs <laughs> that's going to be the telling thing I think Whoever can lock up a big manager first, that's when the dominoes will start falling. I actually just am reading this about Massimo Carrera saying uh, on Sempre Inter, uh, they're saying that Antonio Conte will become Inter's biggest supporter. This was six hours ago, suggesting that Conte wants to go to Inter, but I think wants to be in the Champions League. So um, Next week is the telling tale. Yep, we'll see. We'll see. So, um, 
you know, those are going to be some of the names that are going to be out there. I mean, Conte's out there. Di Francesco's still out there. Pioli's out there. Massimo Carrera could come back to Italy, come back to Italy. Sari could come back to Italy. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be pretty crazy as far as as far as coaching goes. So. And I think that's all we got. Is that it, Richard? I Anything else? I think that's it, yeah. Did uh, Mancini call up a squad for uh, qualifiers yet? or I haven't seen it, no. No, I don't think they have. Um, yeah, they haven't yet. I know that that's going to be coming around the corner, too. So I'll be interested to see who Mancini calls up. I think there's some Euro qualifiers coming this summer, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I know that the... South American clubs called up their players for the Copa America, so I just I didn't know if Italy had done some call-ups yet or not. Oh, you so. know, one, one thing we do need to talk about real quick is uh, the Copa Italia. Oh, yeah, that's right. We should we should mention that um, Copa Italia Lazio uh, beat Atalanta two 0 Yeah. Um, and Richard, uh, give us a breakdown of what happened in this one. This was a uh, a crazy game. As tense as as you'd expect. Very very. Uh, very staunch play, uh, tense play throughout the match, as you expect in a cup final. Um, Atalanta were the hot team going into this. Lazio uh, had been playing better, and you know this is, this is obviously going to be at the Olympico of the game, but um, Atalanta were trying to get their goals in early, and, and there's a play early in the match where they were just swarming Lazio's net, where Darun hits the post, Duvan Zapata misses a point-blank range, as did, uh, ooh, I forget who it was, Forler maybe. Um, they had their opportunities early on, but it, you know Lazio, to their credit, kept it tight, kept it clean. Um, the game, while it remained 0-0, was a very entertaining matchup. Um, and then uh, later into the game, you know, just after the hour mark, uh, the MVP, not the MVP, but the best midfielder of the of Serie A, joining the game, uh, Sergei Milenkovic-Savic, he comes in and. You know he's a fresh. He didn't he didn't start the game because he was he was uh, battling some injuries. So he comes in the game. So obviously a heading threat there. Uh, he's obviously a talented player as well. Um, he comes on as well. Uh, Thierry Mobley comes off and um, uh, Correa stays on, which a lot of people found controversial. Like how do you take your best player Immobile out and 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 bring in Caicedo or whatever? But uh, Correa has been playing playing really well for them for Lazio. So that's the reason why he stayed in the game. And minutes into the game, uh, Milinkovic Savic, uh, he scores off a header and on a corner kick, uh, jumps over everybody, gets a goal. The only thing he's done all year for Lazio, scores the goal in the final, makes it one nothing. Uh, they're going nuts. Um, the game is still very much open at this point, uh, but Lazio put everything to bed in the 80, 80 this is, so the Milinkovic Savic's goal happened in the 82nd minute, 80th minute, uh, minutes later, Correa, after uh, Atalanta is trying to score, trying to equalize, and the Lazio win, they clear it. Uh, Correa basically has a breakaway one-on-one against, uh, I want to say Rimer Freuler. Uh, one-on-one goes around him, as, as you expect, because a forward doesn't want to play defense. Uh, then he's one-on-one against, uh, against the goalkeeper. Goes around Golini uh, and scores the goal. A wonderful goal, wonderful solo effort by Correa. He puts it to bed. Lazio win 2 nothing. Um, great performance by Lazio, uh, no doubt about it. Um, they held Atalanta at bay. Atalanta were swarming throughout the game. Uh, they had their opportunities of their own. Lazio did, but uh, two great goals by them, by two players who one player who's been uh, a shining a shining star for them this year, Correa, and another one who's been uh, missing for majority of the season, Milinkovic Savic. They come up big in this game. Correa, obviously the hero in the semifinal, scoring the long goal in the Milan game. 
so Lazio win the trophy, uh, win at home. I think it's their seventh, I want to say, Frank, uh, title that they won. But uh, great performance by Lazio, great win by Inzaghi. Um, this is obviously the best best moment of his career as a manager for Lazio. So a uh, great moment for them, no doubt about it, that the Laziale gets his trophy with them at home. Um, wonderful, wonderful performance for me uh, to see Lazio do that. Yeah, and uh, it's their ticket to Europe. Um, so most important. Most important, yes. Um, otherwise, that wasn't uh, that wasn't happening. Um, or uh, Europe itself wasn't happening. This is their only chance. Right? This is no, their only chance to get into Europe. Pretty much going to be last chance saloon with Torino in front of them in seventh. Um, and I get with they could. I mean, if they if they beat Bologna tomorrow, they're back in front of Torino. Um, so we should say that. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what it is. If they beat Bologna, they'll be back in front of Torino uh, in sixth. So, or I mean, in seventh, I should say. So, but this secures a European place for them for next season in the Europa League. Um, probably keeps Simone Inzaghi around as manager. And now they've got to see what they can do to fine tune their team to be ready to compete on compete on multiple multiple fronts again. When they are on the European front, they tend to do really well. This this year, not so much, but um, they got they got depth now, and uh, you know they got two, three really good strikers. I would say, you know, you got Correa. Who I guess you can call him a striker if you want, but definitely Mobile. Caicedo, obviously coming on mostly as a sub player this year, he has eight goals himself. So, um, lots here in a good position. If if Milinkovic Savic, if he stays and can regain that form that he had two years ago or last year, I should say. Uh, Luis Alberto, you know, continue his resurgence back. Um, Lucas Leva stays there, and can they add some, you know, some other pieces defensively? This could be a, a decent team going forward. So, um, yeah, it's interesting to see if Inzaghi stays. Uh, you would think he would, but you never know. Maybe, as I was saying earlier, maybe he wants to ride off in the sunset as you know a winner with Lazio and and try to end it there. Who knows? But I think you're right. He he loves the club too much to go anywhere else. Yep. So we'll see what happens with that. So Lazio, Coppa Italia winners, uh, Juve, uh, long been uh, Scudetto winners, uh, statistically just a few weeks ago, uh, although we thought before the season they had already won it. Um, so uh, that, that wraps up the title winning. So that wraps up this edition of Serie A sit-down as well. Uh, Richard, want to plug anything? Um, Just the World Football Index. Uh, make sure you go there to check out some articles. Uh, other podcasts as well, the, the South American podcast, but articles is what their what their what their their niches and uh, I mean it's all over world football. So the reason to call World Football Index is because it's all every league in the world pretty much they cover. So uh, give them a check at WorldFootballIndex.com. Outstanding stuff. Um, uh, you can also find you can find me at FTC underscore twenty one. Uh, we are at Seria Sit Down. Um, we're available on Twitter. We're available on Instagram at Serie A Sit Down. Our own channels on iTunes uh, and SoundCloud. We can be found on Stitcher, Spotify, and just about any other platform where they play podcasts. Our um, Serie A Sit Down channel on YouTube, where we will have our uh, goals of the week for Match Week 37. And uh, real quick, Richard, let's uh, we forgot to do that. Uh, what were your five, what were your top five? Oh, my top five. Uh, I'm gonna go with. Um... I'm going to go Iago Falque, number five, Suzo, number four, uh, Leonardo Pavaletti, number three, Peter Zelensky, number two, 
And my goal of the week is actually going to be a Coppa Italia nod. Joaquin Correa and really Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, their goals in the Coppa Italia final for Lazio getting them the win, big win there. So uh, that's why I gave them the number one slot. How about you? Um, I did not put Correa in my top five. I just went strictly by the league. But my number five is Samir Fudinese. Um, More to do with the pinpoint cross from DePaul. Yeah. Um, and Zukic's goal is number four for me. Uh, Iago Falke, three. Suzo, two. And uh, Ziolinski was my goal of the week. All good goals. All good goals. Yep. Yep. So that's those are our goals of the week. You can tell us your goals of the week. At City, I sit down on Twitter or Instagram. And as Richard said, www.worldfootballindex.com uh, for a whole lot of footballing content uh, from around the world. Uh, so check them out as well. Um, we will have one last podcast for the 2019-2020 season, uh, which will be our season ending. We'll give our team of the season. We'll give our crap on a cracker team. We'll give our manager of the season goal of the season. We'll hand out all the awards. We'll be a lot more legitimate than this phony Serie A awards was. Uh, I think you meant 2018-2019 season, not the 2019-2020 season. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting a year ahead of myself. I'm already excited about next season. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, 2018-2019 season then. Let's, uh, uh, let's look back on that one before we get back, get on to the next one. Uh, so, uh, do be on the lookout for that. Uh, that should drop, uh, next, not this week, but the following week sometime. Uh, and looking forward, uh, to putting that together as well. So for Richard, I'm Frank. Uh, this has been a Serie A Sit Down, a podcast of World Football Index. As always, thank you for listening and always be telling your paisans about us. Ciao. 